0: It's your Thursday Voice of Change time with myself, Lauren Jacobs. Welcome to Radio K Pulpit. I hope that you've had a wonderful day. If you've been with us all afternoon, thank you for joining us. So good to have you along. And I know that this week, as we get a little bit historical here on Voice of Change, it's going to be quite a fun time and also quite a thought-provoking time as I share my time with Penny Grimbeek and Yentl Kola. Now these two incredible women have been doing some amazing things and have a lot of wisdom to share with us because you know what as I said we are going to get a little bit historical on the show and we're also going to be talking about something that's also a little bit controversial the removal of statues and you know you know history figures that might be a little bit hard for us to know about that might be you know someone that we look up to or admire how should we feel about these things how do we think about these Things And you know what, today I want to leave the question out there and get their feedback, but also leave it up to you to decide how you want to feel about that. Because essentially, when we think about historical figures, we know that human life is very, very complex and humanity is complex. And even you are complex and I am complex and we have different sides of us, you know, and we have these different realities that we are involved with. And many people do things that we might look up to and other times they have these sides of us especially leaders you know government leaders or maybe people that have created revolutions or movements they one part of them is great because they stand for something but other parts of them are not so great and it's very difficult to know how to process that and and how to comprehend that but today I just want us to enjoy two historical figures that we're going to get into on the show and firstly I'm going to be joined as I said by Penny Grimbeek now Penny is such an incredible human being she was you know spent most of her childhood right here in Simonstown, as part of the naval community she was also the curator of the smut house museum in irene for many many years maybe some of you have visited and have great memories of going there and she was honored to receive the simon van der Stel foundation's gold medal for her contribution to cultural history preservation which is incredible, she did such incredible work up there, and so Penny is going to be joining us to talk about Jan yeah, Smuts, a little bit about you know who he was besides just being a great military leader, but then also how should we feel about the fact that his statue, his bust was removed from UCT just this year, and what should we think about all of these things and i 'm also going to be later on the show joined by Yentil Kola now Yentel is incredible she 's currently the curator and the educator at the UCT Irma Stern Museum and it was you know started she started in August 2021 and prior to that she was the senior museum educator at Iziko. South African National Gallery for eight years and she's doing incredible work at the Irma Stern Museum now we're going to also touch on Irma Stern her legacy what she has done as a South African figure you know a lot of people know about Irma Stern if they've studied art or got into art but she was so much more than just a great artist you know she was a figure of of powerful womanhood and we're gonna get into this today so I don't want you to go anywhere we're getting historical but it's fascinating history and it's one that impacts all of us as we consider the people who have gone before us and it's so important that we do that so stick around and Penny is up with me to chat about Jan Smatsi's legacy and the fallen bust Penny, it's just such a joy and a gift to have you with me today on Voice of Change. I know that we are going to have such a wonderful time talking about Jan Smuts, and we're going to be talking about a lot of things about his life and also really what we can learn today, you know. So I want to say thank you so much for spending this time with me and welcome to the show today.
1: Thank you so much. It's lovely to be here, Lauren.
0: Now, I know that you have such a passion and such an insight and wisdom when it comes to Smuts and when it comes to, you know, all of his work and his family and just him as a person. And I know that when we think of Jan Smuts, we think of him and we remember him, you know, often as a statesman or a politician, you know, as a soldier, as a military leader, you know, someone in that kind of realm, in the realm of war, so to speak. But he was so much more than that. And there's so many things that stand out about him. And I would love to know from you if you could introduce him to us in a different way. What sticks out to you about the man himself beyond being, you know, all of those things that we remember about war? There was so much more to him, wasn't there? There
1: certainly was. He was a very, very enigmatic man, a man of great great contrasts, but also a person who really, I think, one of the characteristics I think of Smuts, which led him into his situations, in his war situations, his statesmanship, was his intellectual arrogance. He certainly knew how clever he was, and he had started life just as a boy on a farm in Reebok West, and he had, his father didn't think he would amount to much, and then he'd gone to school when he was a, when he was twelve, when his older brother died, mm-hmm. and just went from strength to strength. Eventually won a scholarship to go to Cambridge where the rector of of Christ College, was, it said in 1970, which was the 500th anniversary of Christ College, 500 years. And he said in those 500 years, they had had in the college three great intellects. John Milton... Charles Darwin and young Christian Smuts. Wow. And in the Great Hall at Christ College in Cambridge, those por- the portraits of those three men still hang there. Mm. And there has been all the idea, you know, we've gone through the Smuts must fall, um, all the idea that those portraits, the portrait of Smuts must come down, but it's still there. Mm. Nobody has taken it down because he was such an acknowledged scholar. And uh, I think that is quite remarkable. But he, I think he thought that he knew better than most people. <laughs> so when it came to the Anglo-Boer War, there was no way he was going to allow the British to take over the hard-won freedom of the Afrikaans people. Yeah. No way. Hmm. So he, when Pretoria fell to the British, he went off on commando. Became a general, fought on the side of the Boers. I mean, the whole, uh, that whole history and yeah. the trustees um, committed by Britain during that war, just don't even bear thinking about,
0: mm. Yeah. You know. mm. He was he was an incredible human being because he was also quite an you know like you said a scholar but also very much a visionary not so and a philosopher that just gave so much to the world his vision you know with the League of Nations you know yeah. everything that he did was very i would almost say a bit ahead of his time he, in his thinking definitely. definitely
1: and that's why he kind of left his own people behind mm. and i think a lot of his people Um, Resented that But he kind of saw the world In a very big picture Mm. And I think South Africa At the time of Smuts From the beginning of the 20th century Right up until the middle of the 20th century When he died Was inward looking Mm. Very much an inward looking nation Whereas he was outward looking And he wrote this incredible book in 1926, somewhere between philosophy and and um, uh, science, mm-hmm. which he called holism and evolution, and it was just an amazing book. I mean, we hear holism to- talked about all the time. Never, nobody ever acknowledges it as a smart thought. Wow! Yeah. Um, You know, it's an amazing book. I found it very difficult to read because I have such a a limited scientific knowledge. Mm. But it's incredible that the evolution of the natural world is an evolution of creating more complicated holes. Mm. From the single cell, even more complicated holes. And he gets up, as far as he understood, the human personality as the greatest whole.
0: Hmm. The human
1: personality, not the human being, but the personality, the greatest whole. And he said it's going to continue to evolve. Maybe there will be a whole of an abstract thing like beauty Hmm. or truth. I mean, very visionary. I mean, people (laughs) thought that he was being anti-religious, but he was acknowledging the absolutely extraordinary creation
0: Yeah. This is right. so fascinating. This is absolutely fascinating as well. Just like we're talking about, we we seen someone like we remember him as being a politician, being a military leader, but then again, also being, like you said, incredibly intelligent and being able to, to be a visionary, a philosopher, to be able to, to have that kind of mind. I know that, you know, he needed to learn Greek and, you know, he picked it up in what, less than a week? <laughs> and six days, he said. <laughs> exactly. It was the greatest feat of memory. He needed
1: it. To go to Victoria College, now Stellenbosch University, yeah. because he'd had such limited schooling at, um, at Rebeck West. So he said, he wrote in one of his letters, I closed myself in a room for six days and learned enough Greek to come mm-hmm. first in the exam. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I mean, fantastic. I uh, also know that uh, he, he used to also read the Bible a lot, and him and, and Omar Smuts would recite a verse to one another, and then the other had to answer in, in Greek. <laughs> <Absolutely>. <laughs> I mean, he, he
1: said, You can't understand the New Testament if you read it in English or Afrikaans, mm. because then you're putting veneers over the top of it. You must read it in the original Greek, yes. and then you get the essence.
0: i love that and it and you know omar smart as we remember her she was incredibly intelligent as well incredibly quick with her mind as well and i think that she was just a perfect partner for him, which we're not even going to talk about today, but she no, was, exactly. she's, she's just she's so, a whole
1: nother story. Oh, she,
0: And so fascinating as a woman. And, you know, you alluded to Cambridge university, you know, as well. And when we think of, of Smuts and his achievements, just beyond, you know, being a good scholar, we know that he was elected as the chancellor of the university of Cambridge. And he became yeah. the first person from outside of the UK to really hold that position. And when you see the footage of him, you know, Getting, you know, becoming chancellor and him speaking—it was such a remarkable feat. And the British people—they welcomed him with so much zeal. Everyone seemed so excited. You know, yeah. that that was such a remarkable moment. Someone from outside of the UK, and I think people can miss how massive that moment is. British people are filled with national pride, you know, and always have been. So to have exactly. a chancellor of Cambridge University who is coming from outside of the country—that was a big deal. It was huge. But um, even in the First
1: World War, when he was invited by Lloyd George to serve on the Imperial War Cabinet, he was feted around Britain. And I often thought about it, you know, he was given the freedom of just about every city in Britain. Um, People acknowledged this man's greatness and his advice to their leaders I mean, he was an advisor to Churchill as well in the Second World War, and um, they acknowledged that. And, you know, to see this, as, as I say, I remember when Nelson Mandela visited England in 1995, and it just brought it all back to me, the same pride that a leader of our little country on the southern tip of Africa can receive these kind of accolades from the world and Smuts did too. I think Smuts and, and um, Mandela were on an equal level um for for world respect as very great statesmen.
0: Mm. Sure, that's 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 so powerful. I, I was thinking, you know, you also mentioned it. I know in 2018, there was a big um, movement happening here in, in South Africa, but kind of started to spread, but it really started here of, you know, this removal of statues and this removal of, you know, talk of removal, not only of statues, but of paintings, of icons, that kind of thing. And I know Cambridge University had a whole big thing and and there was something published saying that they were going to remove Smuts, you know, his picture and they were putting it away and apparently so many people complained and so many people you know just sent letters and emails that it took two days and then Cambridge University did an about turn and said we're not doing this anymore um it is still going to be staying here and we do understand that we need to know more you know about his life and legacy we can't just be influenced but we do know that the removal of statues is becoming quite prolific and it's not just happening in South Africa it is happening around the world in different countries we see you know people in Russia want to remove remove the statues of Stalin, you know, and many people understand that, you know, and then different people want to remove statues of different people all over, you know, and there's so many, I I want to say, as, as we, you know, mention, this, there's so many people on one side and so many people on the other side, you know, this is a sensitive issue. And we know that the bust of Jan Smuts at UCT was just removed, you know, this year and, you know, the most recent one to be taken down, this is a sensitive topic and we do know it's controversial, but I'd love to get your insight onto something like this and not just here in South Africa, but, you know, around the world when we see statues of people, you know, that maybe we didn't agree with their actions or maybe we don't actually know enough about them, you know, you know, what would your insight be on this, Penny? Do we remove and then start again? Do we, you know, build on top of what we have how should we really feel about this? It's it's such a it's such a deep thing, really.
1: It's terribly deep and terribly sensitive to so many people. But, you know, when you think about it, we need to know why we have the statue in the first place. Mm. So if you think of the Smuts statue at Smuts Hall at UCT, that was only put, I mean, the name Smuts Hall was only um That residence was only named Smuts Hall in 1951. Mm -hmm. So this was a legacy of the great contribution of South Africans in the war for freedom against um, fascist fascism, Mm. Hitler and Mussolini. So that is why they decided to name. The new men's residence, that's what it had been called before, Smuts Hall. So this is only because of the people who were living there at the time who wanted that recognition for a man that they believed had served an incredible purpose. Now, we know that Smuts is not only that man. He's also the man who was in cabinet in 1913 when the Land Act was imposed. Hmm. So we can't only say, look at this great statement, also, of course, after the Second World War, the preamble to the United Nations Charter, that incredibly um, humanitarian documents, smuts wrote that preamble. Yeah. But you can't forget that for many people in our country, he was in the Cabinet when the Land Act was imposed. Hmm. So we can't just look at a man as one-sided. So when they take down his statue at UCT and they rename the, the hall, what's it called now, upper, upper Campus Residence, I think it's called. Mm-hmm. So they've gone back to something like New Men's Residence. No. Just something neutral <laughs> mm. just and and maybe that's what we have to think about. Why do we want this statue? Mm. and if we want it, just because some of us at the time think this man is mm. consider what other people might think of him, mm. and this comes to all of us. I mean, there are statues around our country to people who re- represent somebody's cultural identity. Yeah. So they put up a statue to this person who's representing their cultural identity, but that doesn't mean he doesn't have feet of clay That doesn't mean he isn't a man who made horrendous mistakes or committed horrendous atrocities. Decide why you want the statue and maybe put up a plaque to say, we wanted the statue here because we remember this man because of. Mm, mm. And then it gives another person the opportunity to say, well, I remember him because of. Yeah. And then we can have the dialogue. Mm. But we can't say he was so great in 1951 that we put up a statue on this building and we called it Smuts Hall and we want that to be eternal. Mm. Mm. It's not eternal. Mm. Yeah. You know, I think often of somebody like Lord Kitchener of Khartoum. Mm. My goodness, that man was a monster. Yeah. He was a monster. What did he do in his scorched earth policy here in South Africa? He was a monster. Yeah. If you want to put up a statue to him because Britain won a battle in cartoon, mm-hmm. you need to know what else this man did.
0: Absolutely. I, <laughs> I, I, love, I love this perspective that you're giving us as well. And I almost feel when it comes to statues, you know, that it, will be, it'll, it might be time-sensitive, You know, like you're saying, it it might have been there. There was a reason for Smuts Hall being named such, you know, the the fight against Germany, what was happening at that time, the, the system of belief that was happening in Germany, what, you know, was trying to infiltrate the world. There was something that was happening at that time period and so it was commemorated in the way that it was and I I know now today you know a big movement in the world today is you know the women's movement exactly. so there's an advocacy for female statues and it was something that came up when I did a talk on women's history in 2018 a lot of people asked why aren't there a lot of statues to women there aren't yeah. many. So no. now we are seeing this kind of narrative and statues are starting to go up around the world of notable women who are maybe in the suffragette movement or maybe great orators, leaders. So, but it's time sensitive. So I'm not sure oh if 100 years from now, that's what people are still going to want. They may want yeah. someone else to be commemorated. So maybe it is time sensitive. Maybe it's connected with time and place.
1: Exactly. It's not eternal. Mm. It's not there forever. So if you take the two statues of Smuts in Cape Town that we all know so well, Mm. well, the one at the top of Adley Street is what those people who lived at the time of his life remember about him. Mm. He walked up Table Mountain in his khaki clothes with his long walking stick. He was a great botanist. He would talk to children on the way. People remember him like that. Yeah. But Mm -hmm. that's their only memory of him. Mm -hmm. And there are other people in our country who remember him in some other way. Yeah. And so nothing is just a single perspective on one human being. Mm -hmm. There are lots of perspectives on these human beings. And the other one outside the um, National Gallery, I find amazing because I'm an admirer of the greatness of Smata's mind. Mm. I hate his politics, yeah but I love this mind, and when you see this colossal um statue against the uh, shape of Table Mountain, it just is an immense spirit mm. but um but I have to acknowledge all the time that other people are looking at him differently to me,
0: yeah, yes, absolutely. Yep. You know, Penny, I can't believe that our time has gone so quickly to be together today. <laughs> Can you believe yeah. this? I feel as though we could speak for the whole hour of the show. And I think, though, that the the point you just made is very, very important for us to consider and maybe give some sort of comfort, you know, when we see you know, things change, or when we see the statues of people that we really admire being being moved, it's difficult. It's so difficult to see that, mm. you know. And it's difficult time. But I think what you just shared with us, and that point you made, is where I want to leave the show today. You know, where I want Super to leave murder. this yeah. this this connection of us to think maybe this is about time and place, but also let us, you know, admire the ones that we. Feel a connection with you know like you yeah. said that you feel that love you know smuts mind and, and what he thought and it's incredible. And that statue, your connection with it, feeling that and experiencing that when you look at it, that in itself is very powerful. So, Penny, I want to say thank you so much. I didn't even get to ask you some other questions that I was dying to ask you on the show. <laughs> but I want to say thank you so much for all the incredible work that you've done, even at the Smuts House Museum in Pretoria. Such incredible work. But also just having this passion and this wisdom to share with us about, uh, you know, a very important historical figure in our country. Thank you, Penny. And thank you for being here on the show today thank
1: you so much lauren thank you for having me
0: it's a pleasure thank you
1: you too bye
0: gentle it's so good for you to be with me today i'm so looking forward to our conversation and firstly before i get into what we're going to be sharing about and talking about i'm excited to get into it welcome to voice of change today i hope that you've had an amazing day
2: I have. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very happy to be here and to chat with you.
0: You know, it's, it's so interesting when we talk about Irma Stern. Now, I kind of, obviously, I love women's history, but I, to be honest, as a slight confession, up until about 2014, mm-hmm. I had no idea who Irma Stern was and I took a few art classes for fun. And my art teacher was obsessed with Irma Stern. And <laughs> she told us everything about old Irma, as we started to call her, because we felt like we knew her. So for those of the listeners who maybe, you know, never took an art class like I did or, you know, never even did art in school, you know, could you introduce her to us? Like, in short, you know, maybe who she was and, and how important she actually is to us as South Africans and even as, yeah, as Capetonians.
2: Sure. So, I mean, Irma Stone, she was a painter, she was a ceramicist, she was a collector, she was an avid traveller. Um, and what's interesting is about her is that she was born in the northwest province, in a small town called Um And she grew up there and travelled between Berlin and South Africa for many years. Uh, She was born in 1894 and she studied art around the same time as the First World War. So during that time, it was also very unusual for women to study art. And she was, um, she attended a very special class at the Weimar Academy for women. Um, So she was kind of like a you know, she was breaking the rules in a way from a very young age. And when she eventually returned to South Africa and exhibited her work here, she, in the time that she was in Germany, she had quite a strong. Um, she was. She had been influenced by many artists that she met in Germany, and her work was very different to what artists were doing in South Africa. She was influenced by the German German Expressionist style. Um and that was quite different to what was happening in South Africa where they were focusing quite a lot on, you know, realism. And if if I could just put it that simple in, in a simple way, you know, it's it's kind of whoever paints closest to reality. Whereas Irma Stern was not doing that. She was using like bright colours. Um the proportions were different and that was all because of her influences in Germany. Uh, Yeah. When she eventually returned here to South Africa, her work was not necessarily received as well as it is today. So although today she's kind of like a superstar of the art world, that's not, that's not what was happening, um, you know, back then in the 1920s in in Cape town. So, yeah. And then from then she, she settled and her house uh, where I'm, uh, fortunate enough to work. It's now the Irma Stone Museum. It's known as the first and it's in Rosebank and yeah, it falls under UCT and it's a, her home is now today used as a place where her artworks are exhibited and stored and it's a it's a place for, for people to visit.
0: Hmm. Wow, I love this this real story about her life and again, isn't it a story we hear a lot that, you know, artists who are really visionaries and are, who are really, yes, they have these, these amazing influences, but they're also doing something mm-hmm. that's so different in their time and their work mm-hmm. almost doesn't become that superstar status even within mm-hmm. a few decades. But then often after they're no longer with us, their their artworks are selling for the most crazy amounts and they become these superstars. And sometimes it's quite sad in a way that they could not mm-hmm. have really known who and what they would become and who they would influence. I know a lot of artists today are influenced by her and by her style. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that's something that we often reflect on when we look at people who, you know, have come to us throughout history and who have been quite amazing figures. And then in their lifetime, they don't get to enjoy and see exactly who they would be. Hmm. I think it's, it's just incredible. And, and, and that leads me to, to what I wanted to really find out from you as well, you know, as, as you know, you mentioned the museum, which is incredible. And we're going to touch on that today, but the importance of Irma Stern's life as a South African, just as a historical figure, you know, what would you say to that? Would you say that she's really important for us to know about and she really influenced maybe a part of South African heritage?
2: Sure. I mean, I think, you know, as people, I think all people need to be understood within the cultural and political histories they grew up in. Um, She was a German Jewish woman using this very home as a base for her travels. And being a woman during the the time that she lived in, it was very unusual for women to firstly study art, um, and then also for a woman to travel, often often alone, and sometimes with a driver. Um, but you know, during those times, it was almost unheard of as women during those times were expected to assume a very uh, different role. Mm. And for for her to be doing what she was doing at the time, you know, traveling across Africa, parts of Europe. Um, meeting all sorts of people and using them as inspiration for work and collecting um, objects that people in South Africa and Cape Town maybe have never seen before. And yeah, I think this museum tells a story not only of Irma Stern, but you know, of a family, because her family lived with her and they lived together here for quite a long time. And uh, you you just think of also, because this is a home, it was not necessarily. It wasn't built to be a museum. For me, I think of like you know the complexities of a home and the friends that pass through these spaces and the time that they spent here. And I think now is the more I also learn about Irma Stern and the visitors we get through the space. You know, I think we're all part of we're all part of Irma Stern's story in a way. The story continues through the home and and through all of us and yeah when she when she died in nineteen sixty six so her home was uh, all her friends her close friends uh, um, and family rallied together to plan for for home to become a museum and wow. to be left in trust for the promotion of fine arts and education so I feel that yeah i mean it's um there's there's lots to learn about her
0: yeah Wow, absolutely, like you're saying, this is a place where people lived so yes
2: yeah. No. It's a peak. You always wonder what happened in these rooms and
0: and <laughs> that's quite scary sometimes, I think, to think about. <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's 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 I always it, I know. always feel like I'm in someone's home, but they're just not at home, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
0: So it's kind of it's kind of like um, being Red Riding
2: Hood, you know, <laughs> tasting <laughs> everybody's
0: porridge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah, it is it is a bit of like a Goldilocks story.
0: <laughs> uh, yes, yes, Goldilocks. That's the ones. <laughs> uh, you know what? That's so interesting though. Do you find that people have different experiences, personal experiences when they come through the museum?
2: Of, of course, you know, for for me, I think it's interesting because part of my job is education, and I know that we, we will probably chat about that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but for for me, it's different. We get so many different visitors from various walks of life, and a museum space means so many different things to different people. You know, we we get visitors who are who are very familiar with Irma Stern's work; they've been following a. Um, work for, for for many years. And then you sometimes get people that have never been here b- before. So to access people at a level where they're at, um, in terms of introducing the space and introducing the artist's work, so that it's still a welcoming space. Because for me, although this is a museum, I think the idea of home is quite important. You know, that people feel comfortable when they're visiting the space and interacting with the work and having conversations that are not always easy to have. Um, So I think, yeah, a museum is a space where we can have, you know, difficult conversations in a safe space.
0: Mm, I love that. Absolutely love that. (laughs) I I love that because when we're young, I remember, you know, going to the museum in Cape Town, the big museum, Mm -hmm. as a child, Mm -hmm. you know, and all I remember Mm -hmm. of that experience was that, big I think it's like a whale or shark jaw that you have your photo taken by that's Mm -hmm. what I remember but as you get older you realize there's complexities and and deeper conversations you want to have people Mm -hmm. you want to experience you know like that were part of our history and I think wow that's so important you know when you talk about home it reflects on so many different things it makes me even think of district six you know and what mm-hmm. that meant to people and, and home, what does that really mean? Where are we really? Mm-hmm. It's a very We're, complex word. <laughs> exactly, so complex. And I, I think you spoke, you know, you alluded to education, which is important, and I know mm-hmm. that this is something that you do. And so speaking mm-hmm. of education, uh, the museum does run educational programs for children and schools. So tell us a bit about that, because this sounds very, very interesting. This is really I'm quite captivating because this means educating schools, learners, you know, running educational programs and really empowering children. And I love this. So tell us a bit more about what you're doing with this.
2: Sure. So um, I'm I'm the newest member to the team. Ah, Um, yeah, so they've recently we formalised the the education program for school learners. So our program runs from a Monday to a Wednesday, and on Mondays we host um, we'll we'll host a program called Art House for All. And this program um, it's facilitated or hosted on a Monday because our museum's closed to the public. And this program is aimed at children with barriers to learning um, or children who um, have special needs, uh, so we, we the museum is closed, so we use that time uh, to be able to make the learners feel as comfortable as possible and for teachers to be able to support the learners in the way that they need without uh, the public being around. And then on a Tuesday and Wednesday, we host um, Open Art House. And that's our program for learners grade R to 12. And our program is not only for, for learners and children who take art as a subject. We do welcome all learners with varying ability and exposure to art. But we most of our lessons, um, often they are aligned to the CAPS curriculum. So we do support classroom teaching and teachers have often used work that the learners make with us for classroom assessment Mm. um so we're always trying to support the teacher um in what they do in class as well by using our collection and the museum and our education space um yeah so Mm. so that's what we're busy with at the moment and we work very closely with the western cape education department and principals and school teachers Mm. um yeah so those are our two programs that we have we are running for now, and we are we that's just the beginning <laughs>
0: mm, wow, that's really incredible It's really, really empowering to children as well as really giving back to them and I think that that's so beautiful because often when we think of museums, people often think of museums as just places that we go and visit you know to behold mm-hmm. you know historical artifacts. that is basically yeah. what the general population believes you know we just go there. Okay, okay. We, we take our children there during the school holidays because we need to find something to do (laughs) with them, you know, but Mm -hmm. not so, you know, these, these kind of programs are powerful and impactful every single day. And I love this, what you're doing. And this is incredible. And I'd love to also know, you know, about your own perspective. When we talk about, you know, educating the next generation to know about important historical figures and characters, be it, you know, good or bad. And this was something I was speaking to my previous guest about, you know, earlier on on the show, we were talking about Jan Smuts, you know, we were talking about Mm -hmm. all these different people that come through our history, you know, Mm -hmm. good and bad, because life is complex and people are complex. So there's Mm -hmm. good sides of people, bad sides of people, you know, how important from your perspective is it that our next generation get to know about important historical figures in South African history, you know, and, and that history is very, very long. It spans hundreds and hundreds of years, different people, different historical figures. Do you think it's so important for our children to know history figures and to know about their lives and, and what they, not just what they contributed, but maybe who they were and that, those complexities?
2: Sure. So, I mean, it's, a, it's not an easy question, but for me personally, I mean, this is, It's just me. I I don't believe that we have good or bad people, but like rather people affected by the period they grew up in and people who responded to trauma or people who were affected by politics or economic situations. And and I do think that children need to understand context of historical figures and, and why they lived the lives they did why they made the decisions they did, even up to personal relationships they had with friends or family. I mean, I think every moment in our lives makes us who we are. Um, and yeah, historical figures need to be read with the context they lived and against the backdrop of history. Mm. So yeah, it's a. I think when, we, when learners talk about or teachers or we introduce these various, so let's say, characters to children, I always think that, they need to understand, you know, the history that these people grew up in. And yeah, to just put it into context and not necessarily just think of people as as good or bad. Uh, yeah. Because <laughs> uh, it's 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 complex, you know, these <laughs> we we all are complex. <laughs>
0: exactly. Exactly. Ah, oh, I appreciate that as well. And I, I I I think that's so powerful. Uh again, my previous you know, guest that was on said exactly the same mm-hmm. thing when we think of statues, you know, sometimes a statue mm-hmm. is erected in a certain time period because it means something to those people at mm-hmm. that time,
2: yeah. you know, yeah. and
0: and so people
2: may be erected. So I think the conversation, yeah, the conversation yeah. just needs to be had, you know, exactly, <laughs> and it's not exactly. always easy.
0: It's not. It's not easy and then, you know, we think and I agree, you know placing people in a good or bad thing isn't isn't always good. You know people could turn around mm-hmm. and say, "Oh, but Stalin was bad, you know, come on, that guy was bad, but again, yeah. you know he's living at a certain time period, and there were certain mm-hmm. realities and and I think that's mm-hmm. important for us to remember, and you're reminding mm-hmm. of that us of that today, and that's very important, <laughs> yeah. I would love to know, you know, I'd love to know about the museum because maybe sometimes, you know, people are busy listening in and they're saying, "Wow, I didn't know there was an Irma Stern Museum, and I didn't know that I could visit it." So, Jensel, please tell us when is the museum open? Can people come and visit, and how do they go about doing that?
2: Cool. So, um, the museum, because of uh, COVID protocols and to keep everyone safe, um, the museum is open to the public on a Thursday, Friday, and a Saturday. On a Thursday and Friday, we open between ten and five, and on a Saturday between ten o'clock and one o'clock. Um, so it's it's more. It's probably best if. Um, visitors uh, email uh, to be able to make a booking so that we can just make sure that the house is not too full um, and that yeah we also have a lovely garden area where people are more than welcome to bring along their packed lunch and enjoy the garden we have a beautiful garden that that's also um, a very nice safe space and it's a lot of people don't really know about it and we're hoping that more and more people start to use the space so even if it's not to spend hours in the museum but maybe hours outside with your family in the garden uh we're very happy to host those experiences as well so uh, the best thing to do is just to to send us an email and let us know when you'd like to visit and yeah we can take it from there
0: Mm,
2: awesome
0: what is that email address for anybody that wants to um it's
2: almost it's Irma Stern at uct.ac.za awesome
0: until thank you so much for spending this time with me I feel like there's so much more that I could actually ask you which is which is incredible <laughs> but thank you so much and I really wish you all the best for your new journey that you're taking at the Irma Stern Museum I'm really excited to see what's going to come from you and the museum over the next couple of months and all the education programs I think it's going to be really wonderful. But thank you so much for spending this time with me today and for telling us a bit about Irma Stern and and her influence, but also, you know, just reflecting on on the museum and the space that it has. So thank you so much.
2: Wonderful. Thank you so much for having me, Lauren. Lovely chatting. Thank you so much. Take care.
0: Bye. Got some incredible, incredible people whose life stories have really impacted our nation, our heritage, and there's so many museums that, you know, we have in Cape Town as well that are just we're actually quite privileged to have. And one of them is the Irma Stern Museum. So it would be lovely just to pop in there and go and check it out. I myself have not yet been there, but I intend to go and visit very, very soon. And so, you know what? It's been so great to be with you. And it's been so great to be with my incredible guests I am grateful that we have, you know, history that's being protected, history that's being preserved, history that we can learn from. And again, just draw from those complexities and the different dynamics that we know when we experience people from history. And it's so important, if you love history, I know that you already know that, you know, if you've been reading history books and getting into biographies, so many amazing people's stories who were just so impactful. There was a beautiful book that came out about Emily Hobhouse, and it just was really a book that really just just stirred me and and really touched me and I love just hearing so much about her story and again also just different complexities and how people felt about her and and the things that she did and again she's just one of many people that have influenced and shaped our nation. Again, we have this wonderful, wonderful, rich heritage that we can enjoy and that we can truly be proud of. And so I hope that you've enjoyed being here today with me on Voice of Change. I look forward to being with you next week and a little bit of a challenge before I leave the show today you know what maybe go and do some research and find out you know about historical sites in the city Historical museums, we often get you know caught out by visiting the same places we know of you know certain you know big museums or certain historical places, but there 's actually so much to see and so much to go and visit beautiful parks to see even really old trees like the treaty tree in Woodstock that you can actually go and visit that 's been there for hundreds and hundreds of years and enjoy the shade of the tree, the story of the tree itself and the park that surrounds the tree. We have so much that we can enjoy here in our beautiful city with a rich history filled with amazing people. And you and I are part of that. And so let's celebrate that today. So until next week, have a blessed one. May God bless you. May he meet your needs today. May his peace and his joy just be upon you today. And may his love fill your heart. Thanks for being with me. And you know what? Enjoy the rest of the beautiful lineup that we have in store here on Radio K Pulpit this evening. Take care. See you next week. This insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za.